And yeah. Here, here it comes. And the cool thing is you can you can watch, especially with thermals and stuff, you can see a lot further and you can watch them. You can see a clear image of them and watch them react to the different sounds you're playing. Yeah. No, I, well, I should say I, I am fortunate enough to have optics that allow me to see those kind of things. Yeah. You know, and to be able to see animals at those kind of distances. I'm Hunter Jordan. I'm Colin Blaylock. And welcome to the Great Lakes Experience. This week's episode is brought to you by DNR Sports Center. For all your predator hunting needs, DNR has you covered. And they will also be hosting this year's Great Lakes Region Predator Challenge. So check it out online and stop into DNR Sports. Welcome back to the Great Lakes Experience. We had a short hiatus there for a sec. Um, got super busy gearing up at the store at DNR for our biggest Black Friday sale of the year. But we're back in action now. Um, tonight I'm with my good friend Cody. Cody was on the Tall Tines and Tall Tales episode with um, Colin and Johnny. And tonight it's just me and him, and we're going to talk about some predator hunting tonight. I'm pretty excited because this is one of the things Cody really loves to do. Um, it's probably, would you say it's like one of your, your biggest, it's probably your biggest passion, right? Yeah, it's up there. It's definitely one of my favorite hobbies. It's challenging, you know, enticing. Yeah. Keeps you on your toes, never really know what's going to happen. Yeah. So, to start off the episode... What would you say is probably the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? You know, I've been pondering on this, and I'm still kind of stumped because there's been so many people that I've talked to over the years. Um, I think the one that stands out the most was hunting with uh, Al Morris. I got to take him out one night to some of our ground, and I got out, and I, I didn't slam the door, but... I shut the door, <laughs> and he snapped at me and said, don't slam the door, and I've never slammed the door since, yep. it, little stuff like that makes a difference. Yeah, because, I mean, you think about whether it's fox or coyotes or any of those predators, um, I would say right behind, right behind smell, they're probably, they're probably next key sense that they would use is probably their hearing or would you say it's their eyes more um i would say it depends on situation a lot a lot of different things yeah. is there wind is there light are you skylined you know lots of different things but if it's quiet they can hear yeah you know i i personally feel like they can hear maybe a little better than a human i'm sure there's science that says something but Based on experience, you know, you can be out in the field talking and as long as you're not obnoxious about it, you can get away with it. Yeah. So let's, st let's kind of, when did you, when was the first time you, you started, like, was like, wanted to try predator hunting and then when, when in your life did you like really get into it and start? Well, I remember cutting a hay field when I was in high school um, lived on a horse farm and 
sitting there going back and forth with the hay bind and I look up and there's a coyote sitting on the hill and it was there you know a good 20 minutes never moved just sitting watching and that whole time I'm like man I I've never seen a coyote in person at this point because we didn't have them around and you know young liking I love the outdoors love hunting it's like I'm gonna go get this guy so I took my, I had an encore, threw a 223 barrel on it, you know, break action, <laughs> still got it today. And uh, my uncle and I went and sat in the hill at about nine in the morning and the sun was coming up right in our eyes. I couldn't tell you what, what the wind was doing, but we had a call and we were going to get that thing. <laughs> we sat there for probably a half hour and never, never seen a coyote and halfway through the stand though my uncle hit me on the shoulder and we look over and here's two really nice 130 140 inch class bucks walking 15 yards from us down into this bottom that's awesome so you know i uh, that's one of the coolest parts about whether it's hunting fishing you get to see a lot of times you get to experience all the different aspects of you know what i mean like whether you're like if you're if you're hunting coyotes, you'll see deer like that. Or if you're hunting deer, you'll see coyotes or fox or whatever. You oh, see yeah. all, all the you see all the different things depending on you what it is you're squirrels. Actually, yeah. What it is you're actually those squirrels. Oh I know. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Every single time. I've been hunting this place south of here a little bit. And the squirrels down there are huge and there's so many of them. They're massive. So I've just I've kind of I've I've I always say that I've I've got it down on what's the squirrel and what's the deer, but you never do. You always because every once in a while it seems like they'll go quiet for about fifteen or twenty minutes or so, and then and then they start firing up again and all. And you you look and you think it's a deer. It's never a deer. <laughs> it gets in your head though. Like you can you convince yourself. It's oh a yeah. Deer every time. Every time. You wouldn't think that though. You know what I mean. You. You talk about the big squirrels. Back in the days when you could bait deer, um, we would pick our own corn. We'd just pick the whole ear, and we'd take it out back and drop it down there. And I watched a squirrel. Normally, it was the squirrels that took it. Everybody jokes about feeding the squirrels, but in my case, that's what happened. There were no deer. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the squirrel comes down, grabs a full ear of corn by its paw, and away it goes, holding onto it right up the tree. <laughs> it was a, it didn't even have it in his mouth. It was one paw. Right in his hand. This thing was, yeah. <laughs> Impressive. That's sweet. Um, so about, like, so you said that was when you were around 14. So when did you really start getting into it? And Short, Shortly after high school, I'd say. Just after I turned 18, my dad and I both went and bought a Remington VTR-15. That was, like, the first hunting AR platform, I guess you would call it, before this whole big kick that we had with ARs now. Yeah. And we bought them for coyote hunting because we were starting to see them. And we hunted good two years, never really had any luck, never even seen a coyote, heard them, but never seen one and then along came nighttime hunting and out came the red light you know 
completely different world. Started seeing more. Got to shoot my first coyote. I believe I was 20, 21. And instantly just hooked. You yeah. Know, what a rush. It's so fun. And just come back to it. You know, that that rush, the excitement. Yeah, that's sweet. Because... I I didn't I never knew growing up on the east side of Michigan I never really knew how big nighttime hunting was because over there my family my dad my uncle my uncle's friends cousins we all ran dogs for them mm-hmm. so we'd wait for that first like dusting of snow yeah and then you you just drive around blocks looking for tracks going in or out and send the dogs in. And I mean, sometimes it'd be like they, it, it's incredible how far they'll go when they're, when the hounds are on their tail. Cause they don't, they don't usually stay right in one square section. It, it, it was pretty impressive to see <clears throat> the lengths they'll go to try and sneak out. Yeah. Doubling back or hitting ditches and going through culverts and trying to lose the, trying to because at the end of the day like i think i almost think they would they knew that it was other dogs chasing them <clears throat> so they knew it's almost like they knew what they had to do to kind of escape it's instinctive yeah mm-hmm. yeah but i i never knew how big night hunting was until i moved over here on the west side you know <clears throat> trying to think exactly i believe it was like 2016 or 17 i could be wrong on that is when it really started when getting they, popular yeah because what was it i get had to have been i think it was 17 when they changed it so you could use center fire and mm-hmm. i think it was 17 and that so that first year there were a few people that had done it and then the second year it started catching on and now here we are. It's just this huge thing. Yeah. You know, everybody loves doing it. And you should, honestly. It's a blast. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. All the night owls that want something to do. <laughs> you know, 13 degrees out, 20 mile an hour winds. <laughs> We're going hunting. Because that's the... <clears throat> that's the other thing, too, is it, it takes some pretty serious dedication to go lay down in the snow in... January, February, December. Well, it, I guess it kind of depends on if we actually have snow or not. Yeah. We do live in Michigan. <laughs> yeah. We got snow right now. We do. <laughs> Two whole feet of it. And it's November. Yep. But, so, I mean, the season's getting pretty close. Are you ready? So jacked? Things yeah, ready? Oh, yeah, I'm jacked. I'm, I'm ready. Uh, well, I'm not ready with equipment. Yeah. I, I will be, but... Mentally, I'm I'm ready. So, kind of talk about like where the technology has came from, like when you first started. Because obviously, now we're in the days of IR and thermals, and a lot of that stuff's all. Some of it's like relatively affordable now in terms of. I I'll start with price difference first. You know, yeah, uh, with the digital optics first coming out they were extremely expensive and 
not the greatest, and just a few short years later, they're way better and much more affordable for the hobby hunters, you know. Yep. Um, starting out, well, we had, obviously, just our daytime scopes, and I, I can honestly say I probably only shot four coyotes in the daytime. I do all nighttime hunting. Um, we transitioned to a red light. That was a game changer. Um, <laughs> my favorite thing with red lights was hunting with your friends, and everybody had a headlamp, or you were scanning with a red light. And we all have headlamps, so when we're scanning, we like to shine each other in the eyes and blind each other so that we can't <laughs> see what we're looking at. <laughs> um... And it was tough. It worked. Yeah. And then along came the night vision for me. And, man, that was just lights out different. So cool. It's dark out, and you can see a video of this animal coming at you. You know, I'm not even in the military, you know. Yeah. (laughs) This stuff's awesome. And... That really made a difference, and the same issue that we had with red lights, the coyotes start to get eye shine, and they start to notice those things, and they started to notice the IR, in my experience. Yeah. Um, but switching to a thermal, and it's just, it's not even fair, honestly. You just, if you keep your eye into the thing, you don't miss much. I've, it's a it's a lot of work, but yeah, it's awesome. Follow up shots are way easier. Trying to follow moving targets, you don't have that with red lights and IR. If there was grass or trees or a fence row, whatever it was, if it was in between you and your light was hitting it, you couldn't see it. But with the thermal, you can see heat through things. So yeah, it was definitely an improvement. Game changer. It it was a game changer. And the people that hunt with thermal, you can, like I said, it's unfair. Yeah. Versus, you know, people that just have red lights or white lights, green lights, whatever it may be. There's definitely a huge transition between running a thermal optic and just a night vision or red light or. Yep. Because that's the, that's the thing is there's no... Like you said, for IR, you notice that they they would get weary of it, which, I mean, makes total sense. Be, just, because, just because we don't see it, like the human eye can't see IR. But, but you figure they're so... They're, I feel like it doesn't matter what animal it is, their senses are so much more heightened just from years of adapting to moving around in the dark and stuff like that. So, I mean, whether it's, like, certain animals see UV lights and stuff like that, um, it makes perfect sense that they'd be able to, especially after shots go off and they, like, they thought they noticed something, but they weren't sure, Mm -hmm. and then they start getting shot at, then that kind of, like, would confirm to them that, a coyote's a very smart animal, and they. I, That's what a lot of people don't know too. Is what's how, 
how smart they are. Them and Fox, too, the same thing. How smart they are. That oh, was, I know. That was, I always wanted to, growing up trapping and stuff like that, I always wanted to, my cousin, my uncle told me tons of stories of when he first started to, uh, first started trapping for Fox and stuff, how I had to get outsmarted by him every time, because you just go out there and put a trap next to the den or something mm-hmm. like that, when in reality, they can smell it. Now, now it, you have to wax your traps and use rubber gloves and rubber boots when you go out and can't have any human scent because they can smell it all, you mm-hmm. know? So when you think about how keyed in their eyesight is, I mean, like the decoys and stuff on the calls, those aren't very big, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just that little bit of movement they notice and pick up. So I think even like an IR light, if it's panning back and forth, they'd have to see it somehow almost. I don't I, Yeah, like you said, they just know it's there. I'm sure they could probably see it. I, IR light is like the bulb is still red. You know, yeah. So, like, if you were out there and I was pointing at it, you'd notice a little red bulb at least. Yeah. Maybe not at a distance, but you definitely notice it. And I think a lot of that comes with starting out using, like, everybody's got their beam full power and squared down so that the, it's just the target in the scope that's lit up bright as a Christmas tree. And, you know, you're, you're shining a lot of light and it's all focused. Obviously, it's more noticeable. Yeah. And we're all guilty of it. We've all done it. <laughs> yeah. So, like I say, I think a lot of that has to do with being conscious of what your light's doing and how you're using the light. Yeah. You know, if you were walking into a field with a red light, always scan. I'm a firm believer in scanning. Whether you have a, a light, a flashlight, the thermal, whatever it is, you when you close the door on the truck quietly. You, <laughs> Don't slam the yeah, door. Yeah, do not slam the door. <laughs> it, it, you're that's the first thing you're doing. I can't tell you how many times you get out of the truck and there's already a coyote in that field. Yep. And you just you better hurry, <laughs> get the gun and run out there and get them. Yeah. You know it. A lot of, I don't think too many people realize how often that happens. And with the transition from those lights to the thermal, you real you start to notice what you never could see. How many you've actually missed before? I can tell you the the amount of things I've learned about nature and animals while staring through a thermal. Um, I really don't even know how long. I, it's just mind-blowing at how much life is going at night you know? yeah weather permitting yep but you, there's deer i can't even tell you how many raccoons anymore <laughs> rabbits Unlimited. yeah they're yeah open season um but just seeing how they interact without our presence or the daytime uh, awesome educating it teaches you so much about the animals yeah it's so what would you say some of the coolest stuff is that you've witnessed or learned as far as like animal behavior goes at night well the classic doe in the springtime 
fun to stress around here. I'll get ran over. It's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, See, I've never thought about that I've, on the call. For mm-hmm. the, so they'll come yeah. ready well, to knock some doors down. I, I, I don't know if this always happened or happens, but my dad and I were hunting one night, and we went out into the middle of this hay field, turned on fawn in distress, and there were deer in the field. You know, it's probably a 60-acre field. There's probably 20 deer out there. Nothing close. And I turn on Fawn in Distress, and I don't know if it's five, ten seconds later, I hear my dad go, holy crap! And I turn around, and here's this doe. He runs right past us. It knocked the call over. I'm like, I don't know if it knew we were there or not, but we almost got ran over by this thing. Yeah. And it's like, man, that was crazy. And... Turned the call off. We're sitting there quiet. The steer walks away, and we turned it on again. And it's not a minute later, and there's another doe right here, ready to fight. And fight something. She yeah, know yeah. What, but I, she's ready. To I fight. mean, it's right next to us. Well, this is crazy. Yeah. I don't want to play this. <laughs> I'm out here to hunt coyotes, not get mauled by a doe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, that's it. Well, what. The craziest part about that to me is how those does will run to some random fawn they hear. Because mm-hmm. they can distinct from, like, even if they have twins, they can distinct one from the other. Yeah. Let alone some random one they've never heard before. They're coming to save the day. Yes. They, yeah. That's, she was. <laughs> she was coming thought, to save Cody the day. Cody thought he was getting a beat down. Uh, yes. <laughs> And yeah, never, never played it really after that. Really? I mean, I have, but deer are out in a distance. <laughs> like I want to see them coming from a long way away. <laughs> <laughs> so what using, have you found, I mean, obviously using the calls is the, probably the best way to get them to come in at night, but what do you think there can be when you call too much or not enough, or is that not really a case in you know coyote hunting? I I don't think it really matters to be honest. I think it's hitting the sound that the coyote wants to hear. You yeah. know, there's nights it doesn't matter what you do. You can throw the kitchen sink at them and they're not coming. Um, other nights it doesn't matter what you play. Here they come. Yeah. Uh, I know this happens a lot where you can see them three quarters of a mile out there with a scanner and it's just sitting. It could be a hundred yards out there just sitting and it's not coming. Doesn't matter what you do. Uh, I've had times that I've played 15 different sounds in a matter of a minute and that last sound is all it took. I mean, I was playing five seconds, switching. It was, you know, just kept switching sounds. And yeah. Here, here it comes. And the cool thing is you can you can watch, especially with thermals and stuff, you can see a lot further and you can watch them. You can see a clear image of them and watch them react to the different sounds you're playing. Yeah. Well, I should say 
I am fortunate enough to have optics that allow me to see those kind of things. Yeah. You know, and to be able to see animals at those kind of distances and it definitely makes a difference. It educates you. I'm always asking myself, why is it doing this? Why is it doing that? You know, just kind of trying to put something together. Yep. I've kind of come to the conclusion it doesn't matter. It's just going to do what it wants to do when it wants to do it. <laughs> Truthfully, yeah. that's all there is to it. It's just a lot of being in the right place at the right time. You know, yeah. you you could play all the right sounds in the world, but if there's not a coyote in the area, you're yeah, not calling a coyote. Yeah. So that leads me to kind of what have you what have you found to be like good like, have you found certain key things that hold coyotes in certain areas? Habitat, such as, uh, you know, if there's deer, there's generally coyotes. Okay. You know, if the habitat holds deer, typically it holds coyotes. And I would say that goes hand in hand with population. Yep. Now that is just based on my experience around here, that could be different in other areas. Um Definitely lowlands, brushy, thick areas. They, they like the nasty stuff. Or sometimes they're just hanging out in the middle of a field, laying in the sun. Yep. Uh, we hunted Nebraska last year for mule deer, and we had one blonde coyote that we watched a couple different times, a few hilltops over, just laying in the sun, middle of the day. I mean, we're talking a good two hours. It just laid there. Yep. It's taking a little nap. Yeah. Sunbathing. Uh, around here, though, farms, wherever they can find food. Yep. Rabbits, raccoons. So that pretty much leaves it open-ended. Yeah, especially around here. Yeah. Um. So, in terms of... I mean, I guess, what would you say, since you, you were talking about being out west hunting, you've done you've done Nebraska and Kansas, right? So I've done Kansas a few times now, and this past year, while we were mule deer hunting out there, we had brought our gear and did some coyote hunting. And I think the biggest thing is population. And they're not... Obviously, depending on where you call, there's less pressure. Around here in Michigan, they hear all sorts of different sounds. You know, it's not uncommon to hear a caller. Yeah. And out there, there might be as many people calling, but it's such a vast area and it's open. that There's a lot more coyotes that don't hear those sounds. But there's also higher densities of Coyotes. So that's yeah. what yeah that's the thing I was gonna ask is do you think it's a population thing or a I don't know what you would I would describe it as like how many coyotes have heard a call kind of like do you think it is more population there's it's just more? definitely more population mm-hmm. there there's definitely in my experience a lot more coyotes west versus east yeah um, and do you think that's just because there's so much there's so much more, I want to say, like, open area, but 
those states have what's interesting to me is those states Nebraska and Kansas they have a way smaller whitetail population than us mm-hmm. which is interesting because you think that would it would correlate well I, maybe it could be as simple as the deer population is all in certain bands in those states okay you know yep like uh the Platte River and stuff through Nebraska. Yep. Obviously, it's green, lush land and irrigation-fed farm fields. So there's going to be more deer there. Yeah. And then, so not necessarily a population thing, but a density thing. Yeah. Population. I, I mean, density. we we could have went north three hours, and there may have been no coyotes. But yeah. the few places that I've been out west. There's been lots of coyotes. Yeah. <laughs> There's been lots of them. Uh, we turned in Nebraska this year, turned the call on. We took this landowner out coyote hunting. He's an old boy, trapper, great guy. And he's never been nighttime hunting. He wanted to try out the thermal optic and the night vision and see what it was all about. And he was telling me he didn't have a coyote problem because they hadn't seen him in the day anymore. It wasn't 25 minutes later. We had saw eight different coyotes, and he shot two of them. And That's ridiculous. This is this guy's first time behind a digital optic. And he, mind you, he's an older guy. Yeah. So he's nothing against the older folk. <laughs> Let's just establish that here. Um, it just he he stops and he looks at me and he goes, "I have a coyote problem." <laughs> It, it, but that's funny though, but like you don't realize how many are actually in an area because you mm-hmm. don't see them in the daytime like you do at night. He uh, actually he texted me the other day. He said he was going to start his trap line again, and he set five traps in a three hundred yard span of a fence. The next day he had three coyotes. Yep. So. It's nuts to me to like, but I mean you think about even here in Michigan when you hear them go off at night. Like, there's usually probably at least most of the time anywhere from 5 to probably 15 of them. Okay, so that's my next thing. Do you ever... Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's necessarily accurate. Um, a lot of times when you hear them going off, it sounds like there's a lot of them, but truthfully, there's generally 2 to 4. Really? Yeah. It sounds like a lot. Um not saying there there isn't yeah. more. I, it definitely happens, but I would I would disagree that there's that many. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no. Um. So have, what's the I get what's the most you've seen come in at once? Like, cause you hear them, at one time. Cause you five. Hear, okay. Five. Um. And the most in one stand, I believe, was six. So. I, I, there definitely are times that there's lots of them together. Yeah. And boy, do you get excited. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's really fun. I, I take a lot of people out hunting now and just do the calling. And to see people get that, like, they, they lose their train of thought because they're so caught up in the moment. You know, there's yeah. a guy running at us and... To just to see the all of that happen is is really fun. 
Yeah. So when you see, like, those bigger groups of them come in, whether it's three or four or five, like the one time you saw, do you ever watch them to see kind of how how they how they work to oh absolutely so like can you have you noticed like w- like is there usually like one specific one that's kind of like taken like a lead or is there like what what have you noticed in terms of how they approach like a call you know i generally they're coming downwind and they they will go great lengths to go downwind i mean they they will go out of their way um that doesn't always happen. You have the occasional runner. You have chargers. You know, there's times that you're sitting there, you've been calling three hours, and all of a sudden there's a coyote 20 yards away running at you. And they, yeah. I'm trying to think here of how many times I've had random things happen i you, you think you haven't figured out and what they're gonna do every time but just when you think that you got them figured out they yeah. won't up you yeah <laughs> um so i mean we've kind of already talked about it a little bit do you think what do you think the biggest reason is that you don't see as many in the daytime. Do you think that's just because they know there's pressure here? I, I, okay, did you did you daytime hunt at all when you were out west? No, I have not. But okay. I've seen coyotes more actively in the daytime out west. So do you think the, the reason nighttime is so much more effective in Michigan is because of the pressure that's here? No, I would I would say that nighttime hunting is easier for the lazy person. In all honesty, uh, there's lots of people that can go out and be very successful daytime hunting. But, you know, you're putting your boots on the ground. You're getting in deep. You're shotgunning. You know, yep. it, it's it's more work around here. But, I, like I say, there's lots of people that do it great. Nighttime hunting is just awesome because it's dark and you don't have to take the long way in or... You know, unless the wind is doing your bad favors, then you take the long way in. But you're normally just parking the truck and walking. Yep. So have you noticed when you walk into a spot, do they hit, like, your trail where you walked in as far as, like, scent trail? Like, like you see whitetail get spooked when they hit the trail that you walked in on. Yep. Have you seen... Do they do that same thing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I can remember my dad and I hunting one night, and we watched a coyote circle us. It was 500 yards downwind, 20-mile-an-hour, 15-mile-an-hour wind, and as soon as it hit that, it was full speed the other way. I mean, it was a wall. Yep. Amazing. They have a nose. Um. You know, people talk about trying to control their scent, all that stuff. It doesn't matter. Once it's downwind, it smells you. Unless you have a good cover scent, you know, you can use, like, pig barns, manure. That's a great cover scent. Things that you can kind of get in with. Yep. But if they're downwind, they're usually gone. 
I would yeah. say 95% of the time. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes you get that curious one or the unintelligent, whatever it may be, that just right through it downwind doesn't matter. Yeah. So now kind of talk a little bit about like your kind of your stand setups or like how different ways you would get set up for different situations or fields or what you would do in certain the winds blow in certain directions I guess um, I mean it'll, it'll be different for whatever location you're at but like general like you know everybody talks about having their ideal wind setups and stuff like that and it just doesn't happen like yeah. that. You know, that's like deer hunting. You, yeah, you want to go coyote hunting for a night, you have this many spots you're going to hit, and you have a southwest wind. You're going to you're gonna try to figure it out. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's places that you just can't do that with. But for the most part, you try to get creative. And I'm definitely a lot more aggressive than most when it comes to approaches and stand setups and all that stuff. I I prefer a crosswind. I like to give a coyote something. Uh, I feel like if I was at the road and there was a, a field a couple hundred yards long in between me and the woods, and I thought the coyotes were in the woods, if the wind was blowing into my face coming out of the woods, I feel I'm a lot less likely to see those coyotes than if I had a crosswind that was blowing into that fence row, you know, because they're going to, they're going to feel a lot more comfortable running down that fence row. Even they, they'll run in the field, but they're like deer. They're a creature of edges. They like edges. Um, I like to give them a little so that they don't have to completely expose themselves. You know, a lot of times they just won't come out. Yeah. It's like, it's like, um, it is like when you're when you're hunting a big white tail like a lot of things like I think one thing people don't realize a lot when like hunting big deer like old mature bucks is that the ideal stand the ideal like wind setup that you want you'll never see that big buck because he's not going to go he's not going to come at you with the wind in your face it'll never happen I mean, say it never happens, but yeah, we talk about it, and it, it does. It's just right place, right time. Yeah. You know, we talk about that wind being right and not seeing any coyotes, but you get out into that field, and guess what? You turn around, and there's a coyote that just crossed the road by your truck. Yeah. You know, <laughs> who would have thunk it? He's back there. What's he doing over there? Yeah. Um. Obviously, if you if you think they're in the woods, you're not putting your scent in there. Uh, I generally like to throw the call. Sometimes it's it's right next to me. Sometimes I'm just lazy. But there's other times I'll walk it out there 200 yards if I have to. Whatever the wind's doing, or if I if I feel that it's going to give me better shot placement you know when i walk into a field i'm kind of scoping out where i think they're going to come from how are they going to approach the call where we're shooting are we going to have good shots are we going to be able to see 
you know, if you drive by a field in the daytime and you're like, oh, that's a flat field, looks great. And then you go out there in the night and it's not so flat. Yep. And uh, coyotes generally like to run those low spots. They're very good at running through fields and not ever being spotted. Yeah. So there's a lot of different things that you try to pay attention to. Um, a big thing that is overlooked are the neighbor's house behind you that's got the lights on. You know, if the coyotes are coming out of this corner of the woods and there's a house light on behind you and you're moving, you're skylined, essentially. Yep. So a lot of random things that you like to pay attention to. Uh, I'm not against standing in the middle of the field. I does not bother me. I don't care if it's a full moon, half moon, quarter moon, whatever you want. I can remember Adam and I hunting one time, and we had been calling for like a half hour. Hadn't seen anything. We were getting bored. We started trading each other's digital optics so that we could check each other's things out, you know? And we were talking for a good couple of minutes, and Adam just happened to look up, and there was a coyote maybe a hundred yards away, sitting, watching us. And it was a full moon. Just curious. Just sitting there watching us. He's like, man, look at these idiots. <laughs> They're not coyote hunting. I'm safe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they got <laughs> going on. These guys are stargazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, we were. <laughs> but it just goes to show you that it, sometimes it doesn't matter. Yeah. They're going to do what they want to do. Yep. I think that's what's that's what's really hard about like certain animals you think are creatures of habit like like deer whatnot and even coyotes too like a lot of times they are but sometimes I think it doesn't matter what animal it is they always get that that wild hair that they just want to they're just going to do whatever like that doesn't matter what the wind is it's like you said sometimes you do see them Sometimes they're just in the right mood. Yeah. That's the biggest thing is I think a lot of times we give them too much credit as far as... I, a lot of time I personally feel that it, it's overthought a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the number one key to success is having coyotes to hunt. Yeah. You know, if you don't have coyotes in your area, you're not going to shoot coyotes. But doing the legwork, the scouting, looking for tracks, sign, all of that stuff, talking to landowners, that's when it pays off is the, the scouting and the legwork. Yeah. You know, there's lots of people that do a lot of, a lot of traveling. You know, it's a full-time hobby. And, yeah. you know, those guys show for it. Yep. It's it, because... You get into now, it's it's so popular. And, I mean, they've been going on for a few years now, but the amount of the predator challenges or coyote derbies or whatever you want to call them, like, their station. I know for in Michigan, they're, um, they're kind of stretched out all across the state now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had ours at DNR... I think it was last year when we had it, and then... Great I Lakes would, Region Predator Challenge. We'll talk about it. We'll, we'll plug it. We'll plug it. Um, we had ours, and then 
think it was the next weekend I was up in <clears throat> Midland, I think. Claire. One of the Jays sporting Claire. Kids. Yeah. And they were they were having one too. It was like the next weekend, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you were you there? No. I was in Kansas. Oh. <laughs> um so now I guess we'll talk we'll kinda get into the idea of the Predator Challenges or the Coyote Derbies. We're having our ninth annual. Yeah, I think it is the ninth. Ninth annual Great Lakes Region Predator Challenge. It's a tongue twister. Hosted by DNR Sports Center. It's happening. I'm already, since I've been added to the admin on Facebook today, I've seen three questions posted on the page asking what's going on with it. So it's getting close. People are excited for it. Um, it is happening January 27th through the 29th. That's about all we've got nailed down right now. We're still planning when we're going to get sign-ups and all that good jazz ready. But um, did you did you start that? No. No. So I, I don't know if Scott Furman was the creator or not, but when he decided to stop doing it or stop posting it, um, he had offered it to DNR, I guess, and it just kind of became a thing every year. So he was hosting it before us. Yes. Scott's yeah. a super good dude. Yes, he is. I've gotten pretty close with him. I actually I met him at the store couple years ago and uh we were talking about saddle hunting and stuff and i was telling him i was like yeah i'm I'm trying this this one sticking thing i was like i don't know how it's gonna go i was like but it seems sweet and now he's he's full on into it he send we send each other pictures of like some of the stuff we've got for our setups and stuff like that he's a super good dude i didn't know that i didn't know that he was the one who was running it yeah before we had it yeah that's cool so when did you, how, how, I guess, what is, where is it came from when you started, when we started doing it at DNR, where it's to where we're kind of at now? Um, more people, same amount of people. There's definitely a lot more people, and I think that just kind of has to do with the amount of people that are hunting now. Uh, you know, they're the nighttime hunting, the, all of those people that put in all of the hard work, you know, legislation and all of that to make it legal to hunt at night. That's kind of when it just hit the fan. Yep. And it was a game changer and people were shooting five coyotes in a night and that was just unheard of. Yeah. I believe the two years that I hunted in the tournament, I think... Three won it the first year, and then it might have been four the second year. And, I mean, look at the last couple of years. We had, what, tw- I think it was 12 and then 13 and then 19 last year. I, that's just crazy. Yeah. It, just three years. The difference. Yeah. And I think that, was, like you said, the amount of people doing that kind of stuff now is exponentially higher than... Absolutely. Before 2020. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether it is. Mm-hmm. Bow hunting, fishing, 
coyote hunting. It, it's it's cool to see, but I think the other thing too is with that comes like, like the protesters and stuff we see <clears throat> outside the store when we have that event and stuff like that. But I think, I think the biggest issue is for that kind of stuff is like people not being educated on the damages that they cause. You know, they definitely can cause damage, but unfortunately I just think that sometimes you aren't able to reason with people. Yeah. Um, I, I personally know quite a few people that have lost household pets, dogs, two coyotes. Yeah. I mean, watch the coyote carry their dog away. And, you know, for all of you pet lovers out there, I'm a huge dog lover, and nothing would just tear me up more than watching <laughs> coyote take away my little puppy. Yeah. I, I just can't imagine. No, it'd be terrible. And uh, Kansas livestock, yep. you know, that's, people are like, oh, you just lost a cow. Well, out there, that cow is their livelihood. Yeah, You know, exactly. they make a living on those things, and I don't think a lot of people consider that when they're just thinking, oh, well, that's a part of life. This coyote's going to eat this calf. Um, some people, their kids are in 4-H, and they lost their sheep. They lost three sheep in one year, or in one winter, to some coyotes. And, like, that's their money. That's their livelihood. Yeah, that's how those kids make their money. It absolutely is. And that stuff happens. And that's why we do it, trying to help people out. Yep. And unfortunately, you just can't get that through sometimes. Yeah. I like to say that the wheel's spinning, but the hamster's dead. <laughs> That's, I've never heard that one. <laughs> um, That's a good one. <laughs> the yeah. wheel's spinning, but the hamster's dead. You know, ultimately, at the end of the day... I, People are always going to be unhappy with other people just because... That's the thing. It doesn't matter what you do. Somebody somebody will always find something that they want to complain about. Absolutely. It doesn't matter what you're doing. I, I, I don't let it ruin my day. Just You can't. Absolutely. That's the, and I think that's the problem with being in the outdoor industry now, hunting, fishing, whatever, is there's so much... negative outlooks towards like us now I mean hunting or whatever you know but I think the other problem too is I've been listening to Don Higgins has a podcast and I've been listening to him and he's saying he's been talking about in the last few episodes I've listened to that one of the biggest problems within the industry now is the people in the industry I I wouldn't disagree with yeah, that. Yeah, just dogging on other people doing the same thing because somebody's doing it a little bit better or... To go back to our predator challenge yeah. and how it's evolved since I've been there. Yep. And when I was hunting the tournament, my favorite part about the tournament was hunting with my two best friends. Yeah. Like, nothing better. Yep. Watching somebody drool on the dirt while he's sleeping as the sun comes up because we're we're gonna shoot a coyote when it comes out to mouse in this wood hill. I, 
Things like that. That's why we did it. Yeah. Obviously, everybody wants to win, but yeah. that's not what it was about. And it, it really rubs me the wrong way that that's kind of what it's become is this big title of I'm the best. And, you know, obviously, people that put in the legwork, they deserve to win yeah. 100%. But that's not why we're doing the tournament. It's so that we can see all those people that we only get to see once or twice, you know, yep. a couple times a year that coyote hunting brings us together, that you get to go hunt with your two best friends for the weekend or your dad or your cousins or whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah, you get to spend time with friends yeah. and family. All of those those fun laughs and jokes that happen along the way, that's why we do it, not, not because it's some killing tournament yeah it's about families and traditions that's 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 the craziest part to me is that you can never explain that you're not just trying to nobody on the outside will ever understand that we're not just killing nobody ever will understand that we're until somebody experiences it they don't know what it feels like to be in the woods and this actually came up I was playing a game with some friends the other day and it was it was called hot takes and one of the hot takes was um it was something crazy like unethical hunting was should is is like wrong or something like that or sp- hunting for sport is bad and everybody like at, everybody in the room looked at me and I was like well, I mean, like, define define hunting for sport. Because not a lot of people in the hunting industry hunt for sport. A lot of us are filling the freezer or doing it to spend time with people. And, I mean, a lot of times, yeah, it is. For me, and then they asked me, like, if I had enough meat in the freezer, like, would I still go out and hunt? And I said, absolutely. I love I love being out in watching everything. Oh, it's amazing. Watching, learning, seeing how different animals react to their surroundings or new things popping up and just it, it's it's incredible to me to just sit there and be a part of it. Mhm. That's my favorite part about it. I I was telling Katie this the other night that how much I enjoy just seeing how nature is without humans involved and yep like without us disturbing the environment what nature really is and first off for those people that think we're just killing for sport have you ever had loins have you ever had tenderloins (laughs) out of deer (laughs) what about the back strap fresh on the grill it's second to none I'm sorry (laughs) Maybe That's other than part. Grandpa's Blue Grill Fry. I, yep. You're not beating it. You can't. It's, and it feels that... It, it tastes that much better because... It took a lot of hard work to get that. Well, it absolutely did. And... We wouldn't be here today if it weren't for our ancestors that, that lived that. Yep. You know, that... We do it outside of our work jobs and when we have time that was how people lived that was, I mean, if you couldn't harvest an animal or any of that stuff you weren't going to survive yeah 
You went hungry. I, you definitely went hungry. Yeah. And you probably went cold, too, because you didn't have a fur to put around you or any yeah, of that exactly. good stuff. So I, I just wish that people could recognize we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for some of that stuff. Yeah. And it just won't always happen. And if the grocery store ever goes out, we ain't going home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. I, I I think it is pretty. I I never really thought about it in terms of that's how it has been for a long time. That's how it had to be so, for a long time. I was actually thinking of this today, and you and I, if you look around at what we have, you know, there's this nice insulated building with windows we're sitting in a nice chair we have foods and cold pops we're maybe the what fourth generation that this is normal yeah i mean like our great 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 grandparents were living in some little shack yep maybe maybe a little further back but in the last 200 years which which that's the that's the thing too is it 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 has advanced so quickly when you look at it in terms of the way it was just 100 years ago yeah absolutely where where we live uh, this whole flat down here used to be a mint plantation and like it was a village everybody lived down there you know and they had shacks nothing special they were burning wood at night to stay warm yep but that's what you did I, that's what you did and it wasn't that long ago but I, everybody's got cell phones now computers I, that was I, it just, I don't know I have a really hard time with this because I'm I, my cell phone drives me nuts. Yeah. It, it really does. And just to appreciate what we have. and It's big. It really is. It's, it's incredible to think. It's taken for granted. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you think that um, having... Like the cell phone, like everybody's got it. It's been around forever now. That's what it feels like. But when you look at it, I think the first iPhone came out when I was in. Boy, you had to have been like third grade. No, it was later than that. Was it? Yeah, because I remember my buddy got like his his mom had a the iPhone. Like 3G when 3G first came out. Oh, yeah. And that was in, I think, middle school. So when you think about it, it's only been... The smartphone has only been around 10 years. Yeah, roughly. Which, when you hear that, is absurd. Because that's not that long ago. And to think how fast technology has advanced and where... How how far we've came, like as a society, and changed. It's it's nuts because it used to be. To get in it, contact with somebody, it was horseback by ten days. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating how, fast the technology has evolved, but it's also shameful, 
how much we have forgotten. Yeah. About, in just those 10 years, for example. Yeah. Do you remember what it was like to not have a cell phone on your side? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. That's actually, that's one thing I'm super grateful for is I, I used to hate them for it when I was younger, but my parents never got me a cell phone until I was high, in high school. Mm-hmm. And I think it made me better for it, you know? It, yeah, it makes a difference. I it think. makes a big difference. Now you see kids with tablets in their face oh, at man. the bus stop. Yes. I, I got a cell phone when I was young. I was in middle school, and it was mostly because I lived on a farm, and my dad had to be able to get a hold of me when I got home. Well, this was the old Nextel two ways, and boy, did I know how to <laughs> aggravate my dad. <laughs> that alert button. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's it, it's it's really interesting how many people have forgotten that what we're doing for fun now, not necessarily fun, but for enjoyment, I would say more than fun, is what people had to do to survive not but 200 years ago mm-hmm. which is nuts when you think about it mm-hmm. and yeah what's even more nuts is the people that tell you to save the animals and buy your groceries at the store how do the groceries get in the store yeah I, you know just saying yep no I I, I totally get it it's it's just different. I think a lot of people... I wish... I'd like to challenge someone one day who's on the opposite end of the spectrum as us. It's like, okay, I'll live your lifestyle for a month, whatever, X amount of time. If you live mine for half that time, you know, and see see what happens. That's fair. You know what I mean? Fair, Wouldn't that yeah. be interesting to see where they end up to, like... I they... have no interest in living their lifestyle, but they're welcome to check out mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 just, I just wonder... Because people who don't do it... People who don't hunt, don't fish, don't... Anything in the outdoors like that, they'll... You can't... There's no way <clears throat> to explain it in words... The feeling you get. Even just, I could, I would go sit in the woods right now with no bow in my hand just to watch. And it would still get your heart going. Oh, absolutely. It's just, it's peaceful. It's wonderful. There's a lot yeah. more to it than just killing that poor little animal. Yeah. Um, but like we talk about when I started hunting coyotes. But... Hunting memories in general, I, I can remember being six years old and waking up to be a part of opening morning breakfast. And since I've been hunting, I, I think my dad and I have had opening morning breakfast 17 years in a row. And, I mean, that's got to count for something, doesn't it? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'm not... I'm, it's not just about the hunting. Yeah. It's about I'm, all the experiences around it as well. Absolutely. Yep. I, I don't go out there wanting to slaughter some poor animal. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot more to it. And 
Do you know how many times you'd sit out deer hunting and just be miserable in the snow and the terrible weather? You're not killing all the time. Yeah. I mean, there's the ups and the downs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I Sometimes you just want to sit out there in the peace and quiet and clear your mind. Oh, that's a, I saw a... I saw a thing the other day that said a man walks out of the woods with a lighter load than going in. Unless he's dragging a deer. Yeah. Then it's that that well, that was that was the thing. It was like well you would always it was the person said they always thought that it should be heavier coming out. But then he, the older, the older they got, the more they thought about it, and it was the more you, you get to think about things. Actually, there's no other distractions. You get to sit there and you get to think, and just contemplate and go over what's been going on and clear your head. And you know, I would disagree with that because I sit there the whole time and I'm like, big deer's about to come around that tree. <laughs> And then I hear a squirrel go, and I go, oh my god, here it comes. <laughs> I do that too. All the time. Yep. All right, let's get back to coyote hunting here, if you like. We, we did. We got off we, track. We got off of that. We got so off track. We covered wind. Covered wind. Approaches. Approaches. Um, I am not against utilizing my vehicle to get wherever I can. To set up for a stand. That being said, if I can drive into a field and I want to call, let's say I got a 200 acre field and I want to call over here, if I can drive my truck to that spot and get out and set up, I will drive to the middle of the field to set up. Yep. I've found that a vehicle driving by a coyote is much less intrusive than two or three people trying to walk. Through the field. Yep. By a coyote. Yeah. I Especially on a farm. In general. Yep. I, you see them all the time. Vehicles all day long, back and forth. And you know, you think about these coyotes that are covering all this ground, and vehicles are an everyday thing. Yep. They're not a nuisance. So, in Kansas, we drove through a lot of pastures. I'm... That's a lot of walking. Oh, yeah. And I, when you're trying to grind tournaments especially, and you're trying to get those 15 stands in a night or whatever it may be, you don't want to go walk 300 yards, a mile, whatever you it is. If you can drive your vehicle and cut the time out. Why wouldn't you? I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? If I don't see a coyote there, at least I didn't have to make the mile walk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But more often times than not, I don't think it makes a difference. As long as you're smart about it, you know, you're turning your lights off, you're closing your doors quietly. Um, no slamming doors allowed. No, no slamming doors. So I obviously walking into fields you're trying to make sure that you're not walking with a bunch of lights behind you and i would like to reiterate that while you're making your approach you are scanning whether it's your thermal your red light it doesn't matter you are always looking for eye shine or heat signatures 
Um, other than that, I mean, keeping your wind simple. Don't want to give him the wind. I, I just like driving the truck. I hate walking. And, I mean, it's most of the time you're going out coyote hunting at night. You worked all day long. You, you know, don't walk all day. I don't want to walk all night long, too. I've w- been up all day. No, but uh, you're going to go make a couple quick stands or whatever it is. Why burn all that extra energy? No. Obviously, you don't go pulling your truck through a chisel plowed field after a spring thaw, but. Yeah. We're just like whipping out there. Yeah. Donuts. Yeah. Definitely don't tear up the fields. It makes people upset. Yep. Um, what else did we have there for? I think we've about covered it. Got anything else you want to add? Um, I, I, we talked about... The, I'm drawing a blank here on this. Um, you know, we talk about people... Getting to see people with coyotes coming in and the excitement and making sure that you're aware of your surroundings and keeping calm and being smart, knowing what's behind the object, knowing what you're shooting at. Yeah. Um, knowing where other people are if you're hunting with different people, being safe, all of those key things. Yeah. Respecting people's property. Uh, since coyote hunting's became such a big thing, you see a, a lot more disgruntled landowners and unhappy people because somebody threw a dead coyote in their yard or whatever it is. I mean, we're, we are the face of the outdoor industry and those people that have those bad opinions about us, some of those things, you know, we have to be the example for. And it's, there's just, there's right and wrong. And, you know, anybody that has good morals should understand. Yeah. That it's not about arguing with people that it doesn't matter what they think or any of that stuff they can have their opinions and we can have our own but let's be professional about all of this and show the industry why we are the the better examples yep beautiful beautiful what a great way to end it yeah it's wonderful well I believe we are at our time so with that I just want to thank you guys all for listening. Rate this podcast whenever platform you listen to. Um, check out the website when you guys are listening to this. Black Friday. We've got the big sale going. Um, use code FRIDAY. Just made it up right now. Right now. Right now. Use code FRIDAY. You'll get 15% off your order on greatlakesexperience.com. Hats, shirts, stickers, whatever you want. Get somebody a Christmas gift. Get somebody a Thanksgiving gift, a late Thanksgiving gift. Um, So, yeah, check that out. Check us out on social media. 
And also, check out Great Lakes Region Predator Challenge on Facebook. Can I add one more in there? Yeah, go for it. Any of you guys looking to get into coyote hunting items such as guns, stands, calls, any of those fancy things, please stop by DNR Sports Center. Oh, that'll be at the beginning. I put the old sponsorship in there. Make sure you stop by and talk to our... Highly educated coyote hunting staff. There's lots of people that have great knowledge on these things and would be happy to help you. And just don't ask Adam for shooting lessons. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love Adam. <laughs> I don't know if he listens to these all the way through, so we'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Like I said, rate this wherever you want, wherever you listen. Code Friday today. Um, get yourself a Great Lakes Experience hat. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. It means the world to us. Um, tell your friends about the show. And with that, we will catch you guys next week.